Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia, and joining me this month, we have Brienne. Hi, Brienne. Woo! Hi, Lucia. How are you? I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> it feels disingenuous as we were just talking about how it's been a long week. But yeah, I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a long time in the making because essentially we've been trying to do this since September of last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got the opportunity to come down for SIF last year with the Alberta Podcast Network and visit with you a little bit because you also work at the festival. Mm-hmm. Was it my bad that I put movies at the wrong time what uh we chose a movie that we decided not to do that's what it was (laughs) you know what yeah we picked a movie we watched it in fact i think i picked a movie we watched it and yes we should not talk about this movie. we should not talk about that one (laughs) yeah so we'll also leave it as that movie that shall not be named okay but (laughs) we uh we now picked a new one a fun one and so this month we are recasting dodgeball a true underdog story this 2004 comedy from Ben Stiller uh, is something that I have had in my life for many, many years. What's uh, your background with it? Yeah, about the same. I tried to count back to when it came out, and I think I was actually living up north in BC, where we had maybe one movie theater, so I'm pretty sure I didn't see it there. <laughs> but the comedy, I mean... I had I had this issue when I was rewatching films with my friend Emily for the for Emily missed out, but there's so many films from 2000 that like I have such fond memories for the comedy, and then you put, you put it on and you're like, dang, oh mm-hmm. we were so rude. Our comedy was so rude back then. Yeah, but I still do have fond memories of this movie. It made me laugh a lot back then. Absolutely, and I mean I have the same thing where it's like. I would say even when I first watched it, there were moments that I found pretty cringeworthy, but like there were enough good and funny moments that, you know, I could still watch it again and again. Exactly. But yeah, like watching it now, (laughs) there are like truly cringeworthy moments. Truly. I, I, um, we almost could have done without Rip Torn's lines, like all together. I, yeah, pretty yeah, much. Pretty much. And even just the entire, like, fat phobic subplot of Ben oh, Stiller's character, it's really, really unfortunate and bad mm-hmm. and unnecessary. Unnecessary. And, like, even, even if we were to give it, even if we were to give the movie that portion, because he's trying to do it comedically and also show that, you know, he struggles with it too. Um, they have that terrible scene with the cheerleader that leaves everybody so upset about, and I just, yeah, yes, the fat phobia (laughs) in the film is not, is not okay. Uh, Yeah. So. Yes. The, you know what though, this, uh, movie back in 2004, people had no problem with that apparently because. Uh, No, (laughs) no, they didn't. (laughs) <laughs> this uh, the movie had a budget of twenty to twenty three million dollars. I've seen a couple different numbers. Okay, but it made a hundred and sixty eight point four million dollars worldwide. Yeah, I believe it. We loved that movie. <laughs> we did. It's- yeah. And Ben Stiller certainly was, you know, pretty hot then for comedies. Vince Vaughn had a bunch Mm of comedic hits at that point, too. Like it was filled with people who were a box office draw. 
Yeah, and I it kind of I mean they had all been in other films, but it kind of gave a um, here's here we go. Here's the first one. What is the word I'm looking for? <laughs> uh, leg up. It's not a kick in the pants. My brain is not connecting these. Um, like a a step up in their stardom, like Alan Tudyk right. and Justin Long, right? Like it kind of launched it launched them a little bit. For sure, yeah. Sorry, she's <laughs> la- you're laughing at me. Sorry, Lucia. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Be loaded I wanted with to jump in and help, but I wasn't sure what the word you're going for was. <laughs> oh, um, my God. I start off okay. so far away. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, so uh, did you have a synopsis of the movie? I did, yeah. Um, you said I was allowed to use ChatGPT and uh, pre. I it's a it's pieced together from um, TVTropes.org and ChatGPT, and oh, here we great. go. I love it. Dodgeball, a true underdog story, is a 2004 comedy film directed by Ross and Marshall Thurber. He was the director of other films like Red Notice, uh, Skyscraper, We're the Millers, which I see he's directing a second one. Um. <laughs> Yeah, the story revolves around amiable underachiever Peter LaFleur, who's played by Vince Vaughn, who owns a rundown gym called Average Joe's with a less-than-average clientele, including a self-styled pirate um, who is the lovable and stellar voice actor Alan Tudyk, an ultra-obscure sports aficionado played by Stephen Root, who most of us love as Milton from The Office, or from Office Space, sorry, not The Office, though he's played so many fabulous roles. And pining high school nerd, played by comedic cutie Justin Long. Their gym becomes the target of a fitness giant, Globo Gym, led by the arrogant White Goodman, who is Ben Stiller, of course, who aims to take over the gym due to its financial troubles. And I mean, to get a little bit more here, to save their gym from being demolished, Peter and his group need to raise $50,000 to cover their debts, and they decide to enter a national dodgeball tournament with a cash prize of $50,000. And of course, uh, White Goodman comes in to stomp on their dream. <laughs> right. Excellent. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I love that. I do have to ask, did ChatGPT call Justin Long a comedic cutie? Uh, no, that is my addition. <laughs> Great. I love it. Yeah, that that's definitely it. And you know what's interesting? Like, I was really surprised to hear that this movie kind of launched adult dodgeball leagues. They began yeah. springing up around the U.S. And, and I would say around <laughs> Canada, too, because I was in one in 2007, I want to say. <laughs> you were not. Were you really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> With, awesome. like, a bunch of friends from work. And we, cool. it was part of, like, the Calgary Sport and Social Club. And it was ah. very fun until we played this one team that was just pegging all the women in the face, which, like, you're not allowed to do. <laughs> It was I feel like that's how a lot of the sports and social clubs go. We yeah. all have a story like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after that, it got a little less fun. <laughs> that's too bad. Did you play for long? We did it a couple times. Like uh, we would do, I think they would do either two or three like kind of seasons or semesters or whatever you want to call it per year. Um, so we probably did dodgeball about maybe three or four times in two or nice. three years. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Right on. <laughs> yeah, we were always doing something. It was it was a good time. And it was like, it's so funny to think of now because I feel like I've gotten so lazy in terms of driving because, you know, after spending two years cooped up in the house, driving right. to the other end of the city now feels like driving to Jupiter. <laughs> right. 
yes, mm-hmm. it seems unnecessary. <laughs> yes. And so I yeah. can't imagine that like every week we were driving to a different school in a different part of the city mm-hmm. to do yeah. these dodgeball games. Yeah, we were doing mm-hmm. that with volleyball for a couple years. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, totally. Don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> no, not at all. No. <laughs> but yeah, so I also did want to say that I think this is so funny. Like, and so I, I didn't think of it while watching it, but it makes perfect sense. The hmm. cast members said that the hardest part of filming the dodgeball scenes was not flinching when they knew they were about to be hit. <laughs> I believe that. Yes. Oh. I totally believe that. <laughs> and there are some good hits in there too. Like, this isn't CGI. <laughs> No, they definitely got hit with some balls. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so uh, we can start with the recasting. I suggested this film. I'm really glad you picked it because I'm not a big fan of Vince Vaughn, quite frankly. Oh, I remember you saying that. In anything? (laughs) Yeah. He he just has this like very one note that he can play and it's not – fun to see it over and over and over again maybe if I had only ever seen him in like one thing I'd be fine with him but the fact that he just always does the exact same performance in every movie I want nothing to do with it I get that Mm -hmm. and then I also tried to think of a different character like okay so can I just I'll just start can I just start with my casting Yeah, yeah okay so his character is, you know, a deadpan, stoic, right? Dry mm-hmm. comedy. And like, I can't, m- me personally, I was having a hard time trying to f- think of a different character. Okay. Um, so I just tried to think of different people who could play that character, probably oh, okay. more artfully. Um, and it's funny because immediately Jason Bateman is the hmm. one that came to mind for me. And I forgot that he was in the movie. So, so funny. Yes. <laughs> I said to my friend, like, oh, it should be Jason Bateman. And then he popped up playing that, like, dumbfounded announcer. What was yes. his name? Pepper? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember his name. But yeah, he's so funny in this, actually. I really, really like him in this movie. Yeah, he plays a total goofball. And mm-hmm. it's a role. It's not like normally a character that he would embody. So yeah. Um, that was kind of a tough one. So then I tried to think about it. Some other people, I Nathan Fillion would have been fun. He would have made oh. the character a little bit more lovable. Yes. A little bit more like soft hearted. Um, you probably would have felt the like soft camaraderie notes more if it was Nathan yeah. Fillion. But the more that I watched the movie, the more I realized that the person I wanted to see in a role and not necessarily as Peter LaFleur, but like the character that leads that group mm-hmm. is Tig Notaro. Um, I love it. Right. You like, are you a Tig Notaro fan? Uh, huge, 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 huge fan. I absolutely love her. And I'm yes. now kicking myself that I didn't think of her. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, I think about, I mean, She's got so many things besides her stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. But I think the most recent movie that I watched her in was Army of the Dead. Did you watch? Oh, I did not see that one. Okay, so it was originally cast with Crystalia as the like right. comedic relief. And then, you know, people realized that he was doing some like not so funny things in his yeah. personal life and they pulled him off the film and he had already shot everything like they'd even done promotional stuff he'd been in the posters like if you google oh, wow. army of the dead right now he still comes up in the cast holy cow i didn't realize that they had gotten that far 
Yeah. So like Tig Notaro plays alongside Dave Bautista, but like sh- she says that she never got to meet him because she did all of her scenes separately. <laughs> but she nails that movie. She oh, is great. so good in that role. And yeah, I think that, like I said, not necessarily Peter LaFleur, the character, but like the person who leads the group of average Joes should definitely have been Tig Notaro. Yes, she would be so good. And like you'd still have that kind of like deadpan yes like stoic person yes but you would absolutely love her rooting for her yes yeah Yeah. absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah totally Uh, i love that so much i really struggled with this and i think it's this era because i was initially really trying hard to cast it in the same time frame Um, yes and we did another movie. I think it was when we did Fever Pitch, if that's what that's called, the Jimmy Fallon one. Yes. Um, and I struggled to find, I think just at the time, comedic and probably dramatic as well, male actors were all just like terrible people. And it's really hard to find <laughs> somebody who you want to cast as lovable. I know. Uh, yeah. I think that's why I landed on Nathan Fillion so right. rapidly after Jason Bateman. I was just like, okay, well, what's the lovable angle? Oh, Nathan Fillion. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, but I get it. Yeah. And so I do have a few different choices, but only one of them would have like been in the 2004 version of this movie. Everyone else, for everyone else, it'd have to be a much more recent movie. Yeah. So that one is Adam Sandler. All right. And what I like about picturing Adam Sandler in this role is he doesn't have to do his Adam Sandler shtick. (laughs) Okay, okay. Because he would just do the, like, the level Adam Sandler versus the, like, screaming Adam Sandler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, okay. And I think he does that well, and I think he doesn't get enough credit for that. Like, Punch Drunk Love was around this same time, and yes, he's, uh, granted, he does have a couple freakouts in that, and they're of a different sort, but, like, you know, just calm level Adam Sandler can kind of be like lovable. Like you okay. want to, you want him to succeed. Okay, I could buy that. Yeah, so that that's kind of where I land. And like, you still do want somebody funny because they still have to like. It's still a comedy, and this is kind yeah. of the thing that bugs me about Vince Vaughn. And there are people who think he's funny, and so I totally <laughs> get that, and that's fine. <laughs> But I just I think his brand of funny is just sarcasm. And that's not funny. Gotcha. On its own anyway. But um, yeah, so I then was like, I need to put in somebody who like Adam Sandler was just kind of like my, well, there's no one else. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Who else was on your list? Yeah, so then I decided to pick a few people who were a little more, like, recent, who at that time weren't doing much or were too young or, you know, something like that. So my first one is Seth Rogen. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm a fan of Seth Rogen's. I think he's funny. He seems like a nice person in general. He can play a nice guy even if he's not a nice person. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also think he does well at being the straight man because really – that's what Peter LaFleur is. He's surrounded yes. by these like misfits, but he's yes. not a misfit himself. Right. He's just more of like a slacker. As a slacker, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I feel like Seth Rogen could like just slot into that role really nicely. I could see that. And then my second one, or I guess third choice is Colton Dunn, 
who um, people might know from Superstore. He plays Garrett. He's yeah, he's also in the movie Cock Blockers or sorry, I think it's just called Blockers. (laughs) But yeah, I I find him really funny. And he's also a stand up. And so like, I do know his stand up material. He's also somebody who can kind of do that, like, I don't want to say monotonous, because that's not quite right. But it's like, they're not spazzy, like chill. (laughs) Got it. He's, He's very chill. And I feel like that's kind of what Peter is. And I feel like that's what Vince Vaughn is trying to do. Yes. And so, yeah, like he could, Colton Dunn could play chill. <laughs> I wish people could see your face when you talk about Vince Vaughn. <laughs> it's so like uncomfortable. <laughs> this guy is so uncomfortable to me. That's what it looks like. Oh well, I'm <laughs> not amazing. releasing any video, so. <laughs> no, it's so great. I love it. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, okay. Well, uh, yeah, he does make me uncomfortable, quite frankly. I see that. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Um, Okay. And so then my last choice is Eric Andre from The Eric Andre Show, from The Righteous Gemstones, from Bad Trip. He is somebody who can really do that, like, it's like a straight man, but not. He is the one doing the jokes and being funny, but he's so chill that you don't nest like you don't feel like he's a clown you know yes yep yep for sure mm-hmm. so i thought he would be really fun in that too but he also like in 2004 would not have gotten a starring role in a movie <laughs> yeah yeah was that all of your people for yes. your main role yes because i was trying to think of other people too i like until they showed up because Gar- gary cole and Jason Bateman don't show up until halfway through that movie. Mm -hmm. And as I'm watching Ben Stiller in his uh, White Goodman, a ridiculous name for a character, (laughs) I kept thinking, like, if this was just a little bit more serious, Gary Cole would have been great at White Goodman. That's so funny. Well, I mean, he plays like a pretty straight antagonist, crappy character in Office Space, too. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I could have seen that. I mean, Ben Stiller goes a little above and beyond, which is kind of what makes White Goodman funny. Yeah. But then I started thinking about, like, oh, man, there's so many different possibilities for if this movie was made today, if this movie was more serious, if it was more <laughs> musical, if it was whatever. But I like I like all of the different choices that you have there for all of the different time periods. I think that's really cool. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So does that mean that you have some people for a musical dodgeball? <laughs> Not necessarily <laughs> musical. Okay. But I did, as I was watching the film, I was kind of like, I kind of wish that Ike Barinholtz was in here somewhere. Yes. I think yeah. he could have fit into that crew pretty well. Mm-hmm. He uh, Like from Blockers, Mindy Project, the love interest in Tina Fey and Amy Poehler's sisters. Oh, my God. That role is hilarious. Oh, I... Don't remember him in that. Oh, he's, well, he's Amy Poehler's love interest. Okay, I'm going to have to rewatch it. He's the guy that slips and falls in the bedroom. I don't want to give away what happens to him because that's uh, like one of the best scenes. Anyway, like I I was thinking maybe the sports guy, like the guy that plays uh, Steven Root's role. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love Steven Root. I want him to stay in there, but I think that Ike Barinholtz could have also played that role. Of course, not at the same time period that this was going on. But Right. So I almost went down a rabbit hole of all the different possibilities <laughs> you could have had for this well, film. <laughs> there are a lot of roles in this movie. So, like, you know, the possibilities yes. really are endless. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
I could actually kind of picture Ike Barinholtz in the, um, oh shoot, I don't know the character's name, but the one who falls in love with the woman on the Globo Gym team. Ah, yes, he totally could have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would have been good. <laughs> I can't remember the actor who plays that role, but he is good at that role. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if I've seen him in anything else. Yeah, he, he's he been in a few things. Can I, do I have, I have IMDb up here, let's see. <laughs> Without keeping you hanging for too long. Oh, Joel okay. David Moore is his name. Okay. Oh, he was an avatar. I forgot about uh, that. Yeah. I definitely forgot uh, about that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> probably on uh, purpose. <laughs> probably on purpose. <laughs> See, oh, he was on Bones for a while, oh. uh, which I didn't realize Tignataro is on the new Star Trek. I didn't yes. realize that. I haven't been watching that at all. She's been on quite a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't watch it either. Uh, I know her character name is Jet Reno, which is such a cool yes. name. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, Savages, Franklin and Bash. He's been in a lot of stuff. Holy oh, smokes! Okay, yeah, he probably looks quite different because, like, they they made him pretty nerdy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I probably sure. wouldn't recognize him even if I did see him. I was really surprised to learn that a lot of studios passed on the film. Yeah. Including DreamWorks and MGM. And then 20th Century Fox finally agreed only when Ben Stiller reduced his salary to well under a million. Really? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) But I would imagine that he reduced it, but then like took points on the back end or whatever you call it. So like he probably did well because the movie did well. Yeah. I wonder if that's how it worked for him as being the star. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know. I should have looked it up, but I don't know at what point he started doing a lot of directing as well. Although I think he even directed Reality Bites. So that was long before this. Did he really direct Reality Bites? Didn't he? I don't know. I know he wasn't just a character. Now I'm going to look up IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) It's what computers are for. Oh, yeah. What did we do before this? We guessed and we were wrong a lot. (laughs) Yeah. It was directed uh, by yeah, Ben Stiller. <gasps> oh, you just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. So I was surprised to learn that he didn't write or direct Dodgeball. Yeah. It feels like something that would have been like, you know, his pet project type of thing. I was, uh, I did come across some articles talking about how he kind of took the character that he plays as white from another film that he had done. Yes. Heavyweights. Yeah, I've not seen that. It's also a movie that doesn't really hold up well, maybe. Oh, it doesn't. Because <laughs> it's about, right like, kids going to a fat camp. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I watched it during the pandemic, and, like, it's it's a Judd Apatow movie, so, like, you know, it's pretty well written and everything, but there okay. were so many scenes where I was like, it's actually children playing the roles, and they're having actual horrible things said to them. So, like, even if you say, this is just right. acting, like, it's, it still feels just awful, everything about uh, it. Yes. I feel that way about a lot of people in movies when people talk to them that way. They're like, yeah. oh, that's got to hit home, though. Yeah. <laughs> Movie or not. One thing that, like, never left me is the Babadook, apparently that child, they were really, really careful about the filming and, like, any really horrible scene where the mother is, like, being terrible to him. There was a stand-in there, like a, a oh, wow. like a an adult. Good. <laughs> um, so yeah, they were like really protective of this child in that movie. Thank goodness. And I feel like everyone should kind of take a page out of that book. Yeah. 
But yeah, so the person who did write and direct this movie, you mentioned Rawson Marshall Thurber. He actually did write the roles of Peter LaFleur, White Goodman, and Justin with Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller, and Justin Long, respectively, in mind. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Normally, there's like a lot of different alternates of like this person was in line to play Peter LaFleur and that person was turned it down. And there's none of that because it was written with those people in mind. Doesn't it make it so much more funnier that we're trying to recast? (laughs) (laughs) Makes me feel a little guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. It's your podcast. Do what you want. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Ross and Marshall Thurber. I'm sure you're listening and really angry. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Uh, There was one, though, uh, one alternate casting, which was Ken Marino. Well, sorry, not alternate casting, but Ken Marino auditioned for the role of Steve the Pirate, which would have been very fun. Uh, yes, it would have been. I was reading an article that Alan tu- uh, about how Alan Tudyk had read the script and really liked it, but said that that character had to go. You're, uh, yes, you saw that too? No. no? He yeah, said so the I... character of Steve the Pirate had to go? Yeah. That's really yeah. funny. Now, like, I couldn't find doubles so that I could verify, which is why I didn't put it on my list, but I still was like, what? Really? Wow. Yeah, he does such a good job. <laughs> I was going to say, like, he does a great job. The character's really funny. And I honestly think one of the funniest bits in the movie is that guy who we were just talking about, and I already forgot his name again, when they're getting ready to play the final game. And they're like, where's Steve the Pirate? And he's like, who's Steve the Pirate? <laughs> and he just, like, does not remember that there was someone who dressed and talked like a pirate on their team. Yes. And of course, by the time he's back, right, he's not dressed as a pirate. And he's like, oh, (laughs) Steve the pirate. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I I thought that was great. (laughs) Yes. Now, I read something and I meant to go back and look at it and I didn't have time. But apparently the words deus ex machina are inside of the (laughs) treasure chest lid. So we're spoiling the movie as always. Um, At the end, Peter LaFleur bets on the final game for average Joes to win, and they do, so he wins $5 million, and they give it to him in a treasure chest (laughs) for some reason. Yes. But it says deus ex machina on the inside of the chest, which I think is so funny, because essentially that is what the device that that money plays in the movie. Yes, absolutely. And you brought up another point, which is that there is a ton of foreshadowing that happens in this film, and they do manage to bring them all back. And, like, there is a point earlier in the film where um, Steve the Pirate has no money, right? And he's talking about how he'll share his treasure with Peter LaFleur, right? And so, yeah, you get to the end. You got the treasure chest. Yes, the Dizess Machina is in there, which is hilarious. Mm -hmm. And then it also wraps up the foreshadowing of the treasure. Uh, There's a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also have to mention this. It's silly, but I love it. In August 2017, ESPNU changed its name to ESPN8, the Ocho, and they actually (laughs) show obscure sporting events, including dodgeball tournaments. (laughs) Yes, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's so funny that that happened like 13 years later. Like, you'd think it'd be the kind of thing where like, it happens right away because the movie did really well and was popular. But I love that 13 years later, they're they're doing this weird little inside joke that most people like if you've seen the movie once, you're probably not going to remember that it's ESPN, the Ocho. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. But like, 
still kind of like a brick joke 13 years later. I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, And then the the painting on the Globo Gym wall with White grabbing the bull by the horns. Yes. Is an original artwork by uh, Boris Vallejo titled Taurus the Bull. And so they photoshopped White's head onto it. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) That makes it even better. (laughs) I know. The side-by-side that I saw of, like, White's and the original is, like, it's ridiculous. I love that that exists in the world. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love the little, like, small details that they Mm -hmm. get into films sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. They, They do have a lot of that here, which is just great. And I think that's pretty much everything. I will mention this. I don't know if I should. Apparently, Norm MacDonald can be seen in the Globo Gym background. I, really? I saw a few places that mention this, but I rewatched that part and I cannot find him. And I don't think the person that they're pointing out that is Norm MacDonald, it doesn't look like Norm MacDonald. So I don't think he's in this. So... There was something else that I ran into, which was that there is an unrated version out there. Like some of the lines that I came across that they were saying were like the most popular lines for the film are not in the version that we watched. Hmm. So I wonder if there are some of those scenes that are from an unrated version. And speaking of, I did find kind of a fun tidbit about the unrated DVD having a fake commentary. Yes. Did you see that? <laughs> I did see that, yeah. And you know what sucks is I used to own the DVD and I got rid of it. Really? Yeah. Did you own the unrated one? I'm pretty sure it said unrated on the cover, yeah. So I wonder, yeah. Oh, I wonder if I have it. I might. I didn't oh. even think about that. <laughs> I immediately just went to Apple and was like, well, where do I find this movie? Yeah. Uh, did you hear it anywhere? Were you able to get any of the commentary clips or anything? No. I was just curious. They they said that they get in like a fight and then they storm off and the commentary is replaced by something about Mary commentary, which would have <laughs> yes. been hilarious. <laughs> it's so wild that they would do that. Now, then there is an Easter egg. I forget, like, it. I read how in the DVD menu you find it, but there is an Easter egg mm. to a real commentary as well. I mean, it would make sense to have one yeah. and not just make a fake one. And I wanted to ask you, because I, I feel like it's been used a few times since, but I feel like Kate Beach's line, I just threw up in my mouth a little bit, was like the first time that that was delivered comedically i don't remember it being used anywhere else and i um i've definitely seen it in films and tv since Mm -hmm. do you know yeah yeah. it's definitely become like common enough yeah i was curious if that was actually the first drop of that line yeah could be Hmm. christine taylor's great in this movie i really like her yeah i do too yeah i mean i like her in all of the comedy roles i know yeah she's always funny and great (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what their household is like, because, you know, Ben Stiller's funny, too. Are, are they funny at home or are they boring? And they just save well, up cameras. <laughs> I mean, I think they got divorced this year, so it's no. they're probably not too happy. But leading up to that, I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. They were together for so long. Oh, I'm pretty sure that they I'm pretty sure they got divorced here. Uh, let's okay. move the Google machine. Because everybody likes to listen to people typing. (laughs) Now that I looked for the two of them, it's just telling me they reunited after 2017. Oh, so they were apart. I missed all of this. I miss all the good 
Hollywood gossip. But I could have sworn I saw that they... Anyway, doesn't matter. It's just it's just gossip at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really important or anybody's business, to be honest. But yeah, I feel like I feel like I read a few articles that said they got divorced. I wow. apologize if that is not true. That's okay. If any listeners okay. really care, go Google it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so uh, this movie was at the time of its release, because I think Metacritic tends to be like of its time, did not have the greatest ratings. It got a 55% from 150 critics. Wow. Which is a big sample size for critics. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think ends up because Rotten Tomatoes is more recent, I think that ends up being like also more recent reviewers. It has a 71% from 167 reviewers. Okay. And that's kind of more where like, I'd put it maybe. It it still has some really bad things that would be lovely to remove. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Including the very end. Oh, this bothered me from like the moment the movie came out, which is so, you know, you kind of expect that they're going to get together at the end. Christine Taylor, um, Kate and Peter. Yes. He's, you know, clearly into her the whole time. And for some reason, she seems charmed by him, even though he's not charming whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But <laughs> tell us how you really feel, Lucia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <holding> it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but one of the characters, and I, I'm so bad, I forget his name too. Uh, but one of the guys on the Average Joe's team says a few times throughout the movie that he thinks her character yes. is a lesbian. Yeah. And then at the end, they win, and her girlfriend comes. And they kiss. And so he's like, oh, my gosh, I was right. She is a lesbian. And then she goes and kisses Peter and says, nope, I'm bi. And it's like, that's not how that works. No, but what people thought was really cool at the time they made this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Male fantasy. There's definitely. All the way. Yes. So many dated things from this film, for sure. I mean, that was dated even at the time, unfortunately. But (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely like I don't consider myself like uber progressive. I'm normal progressive. And like I caught that in 2004. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people did. I mean, it always, you're right. It, it always felt weird. Yeah. But it definitely is more upfront and center weird now. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, so I am curious, you know, obviously the movie doesn't hold up that well, but <laughs> would you still watch it again, do you think? Yes, because I really do. Like I said, in watching movies with Emily, it's become really clear to me that nostalgia plays a huge role in how much we enjoy something and how much we're willing to put aside the problematic issues just so that we can, you know, rekindle the joy that we had from the first time that we watched it. Mm -hmm. It's definitely harder for people that don't have that to come into a film like this and enjoy it. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, yes, I would still rewatch it, fully knowing all the pro- problematic parts. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Me too. How about you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was one that, you know, we got rid of cable a while ago, but when we had cable, it felt like it was on every weekend. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was just always be on some movie channel or, or network channel. And so, like, I feel like I've watched half of the movie many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> 
half of the movie. Which half? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I would not turn it off halfway through. So the last half. <laughs> I guess. The last half. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, it is time for our final segment. Hold me close, young Tony Danza. It's time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, the segment where we cast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. So, Brianne, did you have any trouble casting Tony into Dodgeball? I did. Oh. I did. But then I thought that... So part of the thing that I do like about this movie is the ridiculous amount of small cameos. Sure. And I thought that it would be fun if he had taken over... And, like, I love Hank Azaria... I love him, but I think it would have been great if he had taken over the young Patches O'Houlihan character in the old 50s dodgeball instructional video. I think that would have been like a great place for Tony Danza. (laughs) Absolutely. I love that because that's also where I put him. (laughs) No way. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. He, He would be so great in that role. I actually put him in too. I don't normally do that, but yeah, like when I saw that, I was like, oh, my gosh, Tony in the like aviator jacket and yes. being, like the old timey guy, like it would go so well. Yes. But I also have seen him, especially like there's an episode of Who's the Boss where he does this. He's a great commentator. And so uh. I also thought he'd be good in the role of Cotton McKnight, played by Gary Cole. OK. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I meant to tell you that Well, one of the first places I go to look up information about movies is tvtropes.org. I don't know if that's a website that you frequent. Yes. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the tropes are just so wonderful and the people who write for that site are just so wonderful. Yeah. But I did find a trope for this film that's called The Danza. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, once I say what it is, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But The Danza is basically just a trope for a character whose name is clearly taken from the performer portraying them. So it shows up on a lot of TV shows where the character is designed as a vehicle for the actor's name, right? Okay. So in this case, it was Justin Long playing Justin Redmond. He gets to play a Justin in either way. Like, it's a small role. It's not something major. But uh, yeah. there was a trope called The Danza. Uh, in dodgeball. I love that it's called the Danza because, I mean, yeah, in I think it was in the show Taxi, which was probably one of his very first roles. The reason yeah. his character's name is Tony is because he wasn't an actor. He was a, <laughs> an athlete and they wanted to make it easier for him. Yeah. I mean, doesn't he play Tony in Who's the Boss, too? Isn't he, he a sure Tony does. in that one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So yeah. He, he did the Danza. No wonder it's called the Danza. I love that. <laughs> Oh, you, you just made my day. That's amazing. Right on. <laughs> awesome. That was very, very fun. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks for having me on. It was Absolutely. good to revisit that one. Yeah. And um, for next month, we have a really weird special episode, which is if anybody here listens to the podcast Movie Night with Sif, it plays on CGSW and then also as a podcast. But I'm going to be releasing an episode that I was on um, as a guest co-host with Connor Ratliff as our interviewee. And, you know, the thanks to CGSW, uh, we're able to put this podcast out, but they put a time limit of 30 minutes on us and the interview with Connor went for 90 minutes. So (laughs) I'm going to be releasing a longer version of that. And that'll come out October 1st. So definitely listen to that if you're a Connor Ratliff fan, or if you're not learn who he is. He's great. (laughs) 
That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was super fun. And so if you want to email um, any kind of like suggestions for movies that we should recast, you can do that at repodcasting at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media, not really Twitter, (laughs) Instagram, (laughs) Facebook at repodcasting. So thanks again, Brianne. That was really fun. Thanks a lot, Lucia. Bye. Bye.